You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can find the podcast on iTunes and Spreaker. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, or if you're out and about in Carrollton, hit me up and I'll buy you lunch. Um, it is September 27th, 2020. Atlanta United has fallen to Chicago 2 to nothing. In Soldier Field, it was a weird game. It was one that Chicago could have won five to nothing. Atlanta United could have won three to two. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit more with our guest, who consistently joins us after games, Jason Longshore, on Twitter at Longshoe uh, of SoccerDownHere.net and ninety-two point nine FM. Jason, we talked about on your show on Friday morning that I was afraid Atlanta United might regress to the mean that it has kind of shown this season. And in my opinion, it did. Gave up two quality chances before Chicago scored on its third in the seventh minute. It was the sixth goal the team allowed in the first 15 minutes this season. It just can't seem to get out of its own way to start games. It's accurate. And the problem is the margin for error is incredibly small right now because you're missing a lot of creativity and you can't afford to make mistakes. You know, you almost have to be perfect in the way you start matches and they weren't tonight. Now they bounced back. They had some good opportunities. They easily could have had a goal or two. Um, still doesn't mean a whole lot when you're conceding in the seventh minute and it wasn't a dead ball situation. It wasn't a set piece this time, but it's still a giveaway. And it's a bad giveaway where it happened and you're punished for it. And it's just something that you can't do right now. You're not good enough on the attacking end to be giving up early goals at the moment. Yeah, the goal, just to recap really quickly, some of the, the important moments of the game. Um, Chicago scored in the seventh minute. Uh, Fabian Erbers, um Rometty was dispossessed around midfield, and the Chicago had a counter of uh, four players running at two Atlanta United defenders. That doesn't include Guzan. And uh, it was an easy goal uh, for Airbirds, who created seven chances tonight. That's an Almiron-like number. I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, then uh, Shuttleworth, Chicago goalkeeper Bobby Shuttleworth, denied Adam John in the 19th minute a fantastic – Stop on a fantastic shot by John. Uh, and then Chicago punished Atlanta United again. 
Barrich was left pretty much unmarked, 18 yards from goal in the center of the pitch. I think uh, Bellow was trying to play him offside, but he was a half a step behind the other Atlanta United defenders. Barrich got the ball, had an easy opportunity, and he took advantage of it. Happened again at the beginning of the second half, but Guzan saved it. Guzan saved another one from Halovich. Uh, a few minutes later, Shuttleworth denied uh, John again um, in the second half, and Jake Mulraney missed a, a volley, a left-footed volley, that he probably could have simply trapped into the goal. I don't blame him for missing it. It's a long pass. It's a, it's a takes a lot of skill for that shot. Um, but anyway, you sum it all up. Atlanta United two to nothing now on the wrong side of the playoff line, uh, down into eleventh. But it gets a week off before it plays at DC United, where it's never done well um, on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Franco Escobar had two good chances on set pieces too. He had one in the first half that he missed by inches wide with a header. Um, a maybe a more clear cut opportunity in the second half, but he missed it a little more to the to the wide side. Um, it, it's frustrating. It, it's frustrating. The Rometty giveaway was incredibly frustrating because it was pretty easy for Gaston Jimenez to win that and immediately play Herbers in. And you had the runners that just opened up the space. But that mistake crushes you. And then Adam John with a great opportunity on the volley. Big save from Shuttle, Shuttleworth. You go down the other way. And I think what happened on the, the second goal that they conceded, Bello was not with the line. Mesa stepped up to try to catch Barrich offside. It was pretty nice movement from Barrich, who did see that Bello was keeping him on. If you go back and look, I think Barrich, who's in a great run of form right now with goals in the last four, took a peek over his shoulder and knew that when Mesa stepped, he didn't have to retreat. He, he had a little bit of room to work with, and they timed it just right. Brad Gazan made a couple of big saves in the second half, like you said. Team ran out of gas late. Tyler Wolf came on to give some energy. That's about it, and, and it just wasn't good enough. I mean, it's just – you know, there's really not many other ways to say it right now. You give yeah. up early goals, and they're yeah. giving up a lot of them. You're not going to win many games. Yeah, no matter that's what, that's what uh, Stephen Glass and Brad Guzan said after the game. It, and Glass is a, a professional. He tries not to sound frustrated, but he, he said that the team has got to, to get off to better starts. Uh, it's important for everybody at the club was, the I think, the phrase. He, something like that was the phrase he used. And Guzan was clearly frustrated uh, after the game at, at the team's play. Um, so let's go into another little talking point here really quickly. Um, the team was without Ezekiel Barco for the third consecutive game with whatever his ailment is with his leg. Uh, Jurgen Dom out for the third consecutive game with his hamstring. Uh, not to delegitimize Barco's injury, but we know what Jurgen's injury was because we saw it happen in the game. It was without center back Miles Robinson out without midfielder uh, Mateus Rosetu, um, each of whom left the win against Dallas on Wednesday uh, with uh, undisclosed injuries. Stephen Glass had said on Friday that they hoped 
that all four players were, could go. They were going to decide on Saturday. Obviously, none of them traveled with the team. Uh, Barco participated in modified training on Saturday. Um, there's a lot of speculation about what is going on with him. Uh, if he's truly injured. I don't want to really get into all that, but I can understand where it's coming from because the team simply won't say what the injury is. Um, but, but to go to my point, I don't know if you, if you even want to talk about this, Jason, the team has talent. It just doesn't have a lot of talent right now, especially when you take out Barco, when you take out Robinson, when you take out Jurgen Dom, when you take out Rosetto, to your point early in the, in the podcast, the margins are so thin that the team just can't make any mistakes right now. Yeah, be, because those guys that you mentioned, with the exception of Robinson, are your leading, you know, chance creators. They're your guys who are creating shots either for themselves or for others. I mean, you're your top three on the season are Pitti Martinez, Ezekiel Barco, and Jurgen Dom for 90 minutes played. And none of those three are here. You're, you're one that's active and available is John Gallagher, who's creating a couple of, of shots either for himself or for others per 90 minutes played. That's your leader on the field right now. So when you can't create very much and you fall behind, there's just nothing you can do. Um, a lot of teams are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. It's, it's a very difficult schedule and things do add up. You're, you're seeing hamstring injuries around the league. Like we saw with Jurgen Dom, who wasn't, I don't know if he ever truly got to a hundred percent fit. He was kind of playing himself into some fitness and he was starting to look sharper every time out. It felt like you lose him. You lose that momentum. Kubo Torres, another one with a knee injury that, you know, could have him out for the rest of the year or at least most of it. And that affects your ability to, to go forward. Um, I heard the, the press conference uh, that, that you were on and you asked about Ezekiel Barco and you can't get him in consistent team training right now. It's, it's one step forward, a step back, one step forward, a step back. And you just can't build any momentum. And it's such a difficult time for an interim manager anyway. Like, this is the hardest year to be an interim manager because you are not dealing with a normal situation. I mean, nothing about 2020 is normal for any of us, but for a, a sports team, it's not normal. There, there's so many different things that are just abnormal at the moment. Then you add the schedule to it, so you're not even able to train as much as you normally would be. And you add this, where you get a little something going with one player, then they're out. You, you, you lean on another player because you need them to step up. Then they start to miss time. And you can't build any momentum, and you're in a tough spot. You know, it's very difficult for Steven Glass right now because every time it feels like he hits on something that is starting to work, that's taken away. And right now it's being taken away by injuries, and you can't get going at the moment. Yeah, I don't point any fingers at Steven Glass for what's going on right now. He's he is doing the absolute best I think that he can uh, with what he has to work with. And it's just, you know, tonight, tonight was just weird because I asked um, Glass and, and Adam, you know, about, well, I asked Adam specifically, 
how difficult is it to do your job when you're giving up goals so quickly? And he said, yeah, we had a game plan to try to play in Chicago's half in the first 10 minutes and put them under pressure. And it just didn't happen. We didn't do it. Um, and that's just – I don't know what that says about the team, but it says something because it's not the first time that we've heard – and this goes back to Frank DeBoer. This is not uh, specific to Stephen Glass – that the team simply couldn't do the tactics that it worked on. I don't know if it's a lack of leadership. I, I don't know what it is, but it's just it, it's not working this season. No, I mean, look, you're going to have games, and it happens especially on the road where you've got the game plan, you come in with an idea of how you want to play. I think it was a solid game plan because when you saw the team finally get settled in the first half and they did play in Chicago's half and they put them under pressure, they were causing Chicago problems. That was accurate. But when you concede and you fall behind first, you're running uphill and it throws the game plan out the window because then you have to start taking more risks. Then you have to start sending more numbers forward. Then you concede more space in behind. Then you can't build any confidence with a team that needs confidence right now. The, the longer you keep it scoreless, the more confidence you can build. And they're just not able to do that right now. And I mean, tonight, look, it's, it's a situation where, I mean, Fernando Meza plays a pass into Eric Rometty, who has to know what's going on around him. He has to know that Gaston Jimenez is closing him down. He takes a couple of touches right in the middle of the park, and it's taken off of him at a time where you can't concede. You can't give that ball up right there because you're exposed, because you've committed numbers forward to build the attack. That's just a mistake that can't happen. There's just no other way around it. It's a mistake that can't happen. Yeah, it was um... – yeah, defensively, it just it, there there was not a whole lot of quality to talk about uh, from tonight. I thought if you want to find some positive talking points, um, the crosses, particularly from the right, from Lennon and Gallagher, I thought were really good. Uh, the steps forward that Mulraney I thought made last week uh, weren't there tonight. He had that one opportunity with a shot that he missed. Other than that, I thought he was mostly. Uh, not effective, uh, just to be blunt. Um, Bello had a, a good tackle on defense, but I think he's starting to show the effects of playing so many minutes this season. Um, Didn't have the legs to get forward very much. Yeah, yeah. Now he he hasn't really the past two games. Um, and last game he's been under a little expected. more pressure. That, that's expected. But, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not exactly. that's not exactly. any kind of a complaint against Bello. That's just he's, no, he's doing the job. Played a lot of minutes for the first time in two years, really. Um, during what's a weird, weird time for everybody. Um, so now, um, kind of looking forward, Atlanta United is in twelfth. Um, it is, I believe, one point behind. I'm looking up the standings right now. Uh, one point behind Chicago. Two points behind Nashville and Montreal, but then six points behind Red Bulls. Um, so that seems almost impossible to reach at this point. So Atlanta United's best hope is eight through 10th uh, going for the remainder of the season. 
but it only leads Cincinnati by one point, Miami by three points, which saw Gonzalo Higuain make his first start tonight. And D.C. United uh, with 11 11 points who lost for the fifth time in six games. And to beat this dead horse, I still can't believe Ben Olsen is the coach. Um, It may not be the coach by the time Atlanta United goes to Audi Field next Sunday in a huge game, in my opinion, for Atlanta United and its playoff chances. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a winnable game on the road. And whenever you get a chance on the road against a team that you feel like you match up well with, and you have to look at the injuries that D.C.'s got right now, and, you know, they've got them too. But you have to look at the players they're turning to. You feel like you can match up with this team, and you need to take the initiative and control the match, like you did against Dallas, who's a very good team. And that was at home, but you controlled large portions of that match. Tonight, you didn't control half of it. Yeah, no, there were, there were spurts, but there wasn't the really second, a feeling of control. Yeah, it, it was weird. The second goal felt like it came against the run of play a little bit. Um, you bounced back after that first goal pretty well. Second half, you didn't have it at first because Chicago had a big flurry. Then you had it for a while, but not convincingly because you didn't have the legs to hold it. Um, You've got to control games. And just like they talked about the the game plan tonight, play any other team's half, make it difficult for them to build up play, make them give it back to you with, with having to play long. You that all works if you don't give up a goal early. If you give up a goal early, it doesn't work because the other team can just sit back and keep numbers behind the ball because they've got the cushion. To continue looking forward, um, Atlanta United has a game left against Cincinnati, which is in 12th place, a game left against Miami, which is in 13th place, and two games against D.C. United, which is in 14th place. And I said this in early September that Atlanta United needed to get like nine points out of a possible 12 Atlanta United has got to get out of these four games. I think it's got to get nine points out of 12 uh, to qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. I'd agree with that. And I, I don't know if it can, um, based upon its form this season, to ask Moreno, Marcelino Moreno, to come in and, and make a, an impactful difference, I think is wishful thinking. At this point, um, I think he's going to be a good player. I really do. Um, Atlanta United, as we've talked about on your show and on mine, is going to have some tough, tough decisions to make in that regard because it's got three players playing the same position, uh, one of which we know makes a lot of money. um, And I don't think they're going to want to pay him to sit on the bench. But that's a conversation for another day. But they've got to get nine points out of these next 12 and hope that Montreal, Nashville, and Chicago kind of fall back to earth a little bit. Yeah, uh, Moreno will give a lift. Moreno won't be 100% when he gets here in terms of match fitness because he hasn't played since March. Uh, but he will come in in a different type of fitness than Jurgen Dom and Kubo Torres did because he's been training since early August. So that will help but he'll be knocking rust off in games because he's going to have to play because of the quality he brings to the table. 
Ezekiel Barco, you get him back, he, it's a big help. You have somebody who can create chances. You get Jurgen Dom back, it's a big help because he can create chances. Um, you don't know when that's going to happen. That's the problem is it's a bit of a guessing game. And that's what's so hard about moving forward and looking at those things and saying, well, this team you match up here and this you can do this and you can do this over here. You don't know what you're going to have. And it's not like the schedule is going to get less compressed down the road. It's going to get even more compressed and it's just going to add up. You need all the healthy bodies you can get right now. And even a not match fit Marcelino Moreno, but physically fit to give you minutes will be needed. And I think he will have an impact. I think he'll have far more of an impact next year in a, a more stable, structured, you know, preparation for a season. Because I'm an old, crusty sports writer and have been beaten down over years, I, I want to believe that Barco is going to return for Atlanta United. But I, I, just, I can't believe it at this point. Um, to miss three consecutive games and still be described as day-to-day just doesn't strike me as, as being legitimate. I mean, um, it is three games in eight days, though. Yeah, but – it's a week. I know. I know. But it was just a minor leg injury. We hope he's back on Wednesday. We hope he's back on Sunday. We hope he's back next. And it just it's not happening for whatever reason. Um, I tweeted this, and so I'll say it, that, you know, some Atlanta United supporters have speculated that he's holding out for a transfer. I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true simply because it would be an extremely dumb strategy on his part. He needs to come Total back. speculation. Yeah, there, he, there's he, nothing to go on with it. He, there's exactly. zero that, to go. He needs to come back and he needs to be impactful. Um, if that's his goal, as some speculate. Um, because he really hasn't shown it consistently with Atlanta United. And if a team wants well, to spend he's, he's $15 million bucks. Enough, he's shown it enough to draw interest from clubs. And but that not enough to cash a check. No, but look, it's, it's, a, t- it's, it's a tough a, one. It's a, I, I, no, don't, no, I don't know the answer. I really the don't. Point I wanna, the, the point I want to make clear is there are a lot of people who follow this game and write about this game and run teams that do rate Ezekiel Barco to say that he's not worth a check right now. I've got to completely and utterly disagree. He's got to stay healthy. And that's a question because he has missed games due to injuries. They've been all kinds of different injuries. Now this situation, I don't know exactly what it is. I couldn't tell you. I'm going on what Steven Glass is telling all of us, but quality. Yeah. You're going to get a check. Because you don't have the quality that Ezekiel Barco has at the Yankees at, and draw interest from teams that's been widely reported in both Europe and in South America, uh, teams that don't throw money around willy nilly. To say that they're not cutting a check yet, this is a little bit different environment now as well, and that's affecting teams where you're seeing the transfer market down twenty-five to thirty percent so far in this window. Another week, we'll see what happens. But the spending is not what it was. And people are going for more of the sure thing as opposed to this type of deal, which is based on some potential. 
and based off what she's seen so far. So we'll see. He's he's getting interest from smart people. So he's a player who's going to get a check. We just don't know when that's going to be, and it's harder when he's not on the field. Well, I'll I'll, I'll counter with this. Um, though I am an old crusty sports writer, I do try to believe in the positive of people, and I do believe in the good of human nature. Um, but I'm also very pragmatic. And if I were to look at Marco and I look at the injury history, and I, I know of the rumors of his immature behavior two years ago, hope that he's grown from it. Um, yeah, that's a little harsh. There's one thing that happened two years ago. Yeah, I know. See, but I said he's immature. it was immature behavior two years ago in hopes that he's grown from it. But all that factors into do I want to write a check for $15 million for an unproven player? Um, that's, unproven. That, Unproven's that's, incorrect. I'm, I'm sorry. We'll Unproven have to disagree. It's go watch the U20 World Cup last year. That's not unproven. Well, I mean, one good run isn't ah, isn't a career. On, Doug, 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 Doug. Well, it's more than one. How would you describe it? Well, okay, all right. So, so we're going to get into it. Okay. <laughs> what has he done? T- tell me with Atlanta United. How has he made this team better? In 2018, he was benched by Tata Martino because he couldn't find a spot on the field for him. 2019, he got injured out on the international break, came back, got injured against Columbus, came back, mm-hmm. wasn't that impactful, wasn't a player that you had to pencil into the lineup every, every game. Comes in this season, gets off to another good start. Then we have the break, which was unfortunate. Doesn't really show the same form. Now, you can argue there's no Joseph Martinez, there's no Pity Martinez, there's no whatever, but he's a designated player. There's pressure to perform. You expect results, and those results aren't there. He gets fouled a lot. I don't care. I'm not paying to get fouled. I'm getting paid for goals. I'm paying for goals and for chances created and for assists. He's got two and three in, I think, 11 appearances. To me, I'm not going to write a check for at least – $15 million based upon those factors. If you're judging on goals and assists strictly, there's going to be a lot of good players who don't get checks. Chances created, those numbers are good in this league. They are for him. And that's just where it is. I've had this conversation with people before when I've said he created five chances in a game and they don't believe me. And you go back and you watch it, they're there. The other thing, too, that you have to remember about Ezekiel Barco, and when you go on price, prices are different for an 18-year-old versus a 24-year-old versus a 30-year-old. There is an inflated number for a younger player because there is a buy on potential. That affected his price when he was signed here. It will still affect his price because he's still a young player. Um. I think – I don't know. I, I don't know because we've had this conversation about Pitti as well in terms of just if you're only going by goals and assists, and I know goals are important. Goals are what decide games. It's the only stat that really truly matters. But these are two guys who are not Joseph Martinez. These are two guys who are creating the opportunities for a Joseph and for themselves and for others to score goals, and those are two players who – delivered on that chance creation. And Barco's done that. The numbers back that up. The play and the quality that he has, in my opinion, backs that up. The off-the-field stuff, 
The last time anybody heard about anything off the field with him was in 2018. And he served his time under a suspension from Tata Martino. That's what Tata said at the time. He was keeping him out longer. Yep. And he came back and he worked hard and was part of that team down the stretch um, in a bench role. But he did what he was asked to do. Last year, he started the season great. And that can't be overlooked. Then he went to Argentina for the U-20 World Cup and had a great World Cup. And that can't be overlooked. He was injured and he wasn't the same the rest of the year. That's a fact. That's definitely the case in 2019. And then this year has been a weird year for a lot of people. But his numbers in terms of chance creation, which is what you're paying him for, are there. And I, I, have to, I have to argue the fact about he does get fouled a lot. He does get fouled a lot. That is important. You're creating free kicks. You've got to deliver off of it. You've got to do something off of it, whether that's him taking them or somebody else. Absolutely. But getting fouled a lot in the final third, that's an important thing. That's a very important thing. All I know is $15 million for 10 goals, nine assists. Again, you're not paying strictly for goals and assists. You're paying but for the age you bought him that's, at. That's the impact. That, that's the impact. But um, you're, you're he's not, he's not, Doug, he's Doug, not, com- he's not coming in as a young DP next year, which is, I think, a fantastic thing within the CBA. Um, he came in as a in, young DP when he was bought. But he, one of three, the only three that you can have. So I'm yeah, expecting but, Okay, but you also bought him for future resale, and that's part of that price. But and, he, has, he has to perform, the, or the resale doesn't matter. Well – then I guess the interest is invisible. I mean, I just, I don't know what else to say. And I don't know what the U20 World Cup means because a lot of players are purchased off of U20 World Cup performances and a lot of players draw interest from it. And he's drawn interest. To say that he hasn't drawn interest, I don't think he's lying. I don't think the reports out of Europe or South America were incorrect. Has it got the sale yet? No, because there's a lot of people struggling to get sales happen right now because there's a lot of clubs that have lost a lot of money. And you bought him at a time that you couldn't foresee a pandemic that was going to affect the transfer market by now. So everybody's trying to adapt, but it's hard to compare numbers in these things right now in terms of the transfer side, because you bought him at an age where there is an inflated number based off his age, because that happens everywhere in the world. Clubs pay for potential. Has he delivered on the potential in terms of stats? Not as much as you hoped, but can you still get the resale value that you're looking to get? It's going to be hard in the market. I hope so, but the market's changed out of your control. There's nothing you can do about that. I am quickly looking up what transfermarket.us has Ezekiel Marco's value at right now. Uh, Everybody. Curiosity. So, yeah, it's. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, eleven point six million is his yeah, market. Everybody's because everybody's has dipped. Um, and other MLS action tonight, uh, and that was a fun conversation. I appreciate that, Jason. Um, okay. Red Bulls beat Montreal four to one. I, don't, I, don't, I hope people understand. I don't get mad about this stuff. It's it's a good conversation. It's a good debate to have. Yeah, no, and it's good. Good. it's good for the franchise and for the league. Uh, New England beat DC United two to nothing, as I already referenced. Red Bulls beat Montreal four to one. Philadelphia blank uh, Miami three to nothing and Gonzalo Higuain's uh, penalty kick might still be might be in the Atlantic Ocean at this point. Yeah, and Jacob Glessness is still talking trash about it too. I think. 
Uh, it could be in the uh, what the, the what river is that outside of a Philadelphia Stadium? The, the oh, I can't remember. Sulfur. I don't think it was on the river. Cycle. Uh, I can't remember what, what the name of the river is. Anyway, that's a cool place to go watch a game if you haven't been. Toronto rallied to defeat Columbus, three unanswered goals, which is not good for Columbus. I'm beginning to question their quality a little bit. Uh, I think then, Philadelphia is the best team in the East. You think what? I think Philadelphia is the best team in the East. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Columbus is on top, but they don't seem to do well against the better teams. Uh, they yeah. lost 3-1 to one at, at uh, Connecticut. Uh, Minnesota, Salt Lake, 0-0. Dallas, Orlando, 0-0 in Frisco, which probably felt like 100 degrees tonight. Um, <laughs> Portland is leading Vancouver 1-0 uh, in Vancouver, which is another cool city to go to. Yeah, in in Portland, actually. It's in oh, Portland. Oh, they got Vancouver on top. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. I forgot, Canadian team. Yep, and Portland. Sorry about that. Uh, Seattle is defeating uh, LA Galaxy one to nothing in the 19th minute, and then the most inexplicable score so far tonight. Oh, jeez. LAFC has yet to score against San Jose in the 23rd minute. <laughs> uh, the the scores, the league. I mean, it's crazy right now. Um, so far tonight, as we record, there's only been one team that's gone on the road and got a win: New England. Um, had some fairly lopsided losses away from home uh, for teams. You know, I mean, it's just it, – it's, it's, a, it's a battle right now. It's really hard for anybody to get any kind of consistency going. Um, I think Philadelphia is the best team in the league right now across the board. I think Columbus is close to them. Uh, Out Port- West, I think Portland's pretty good. I do too. I, I like Portland a lot. They had a couple of results there that, that got me off of the hype train. I think they're the best team in the West. They're the ones that I trust the most, at least. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, Seattle's pretty close, uh, but they're missing Raul Ruiz Diaz right now, who was suspended by the disciplinary but committee. It's good to know they exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to know the disciplinary committee yeah. exists. Uh, we don't, I don't want to get into that because it's just too <laughs> at this point. Um, the decisions that are made are, are insane, and I'll leave that mm-hmm. at that. Um, so, Atlanta United is off until next Saturday, again, when it goes to Audi Field, which I don't think it has yet to – I think in all the games Atlanta United has played at D.C. United, it has three points total, I think. Uh, do they – I don't think they've won in D.C. I did, they played there like three times in 2018, and I thought they got one win. I could no, be, I could, I could be wrong. Okay. No, they beat D.C. twice at home. They lost at Audi Field in September of 18. And they, they lost, lost last year. year to open the season. The so they have not won Audi, and they lost twice at RFK in 17. Yeah, so they've yet to even get a point in Washington, D.C. Um Audi Now's Field. the time. Yeah, Audi Field is a beautiful stadium, a horrible place to cover it if you're a journalist. <laughs> hey, it'll, it'll be great. We'll be calling the game from Mercedes-Benz <laughs> Stadium. We'll actually be able to see it this time. Yeah, that, that, it's a first-world problem there. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Oh. <laughs> uh, what do you have upcoming, Jason? Uh, we got overreaction Monday, tomorrow morning on Soccer Down Here. You can watch on Twitch, twitch.tv 
slash soccer down here. You can listen on our app, which you can download for Android or iOS. Uh, you can also listen on soccerdownhere.net or you can subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, we're still selling the uh, Bienvenido Marcelino Moreno scarf. Uh, all the proceeds are benefiting the soccer school that's been named after him by his first club, uh, Atletico Palmira in Mendoza, Argentina. Uh, we sold about half of them so far. The response has been great from people. Um, everybody who listens here, if you're interested, uh, shoot us a message on our social media platform, either Facebook or Twitter, uh, at soccer down here, and, and let us know you're interested. We'll get you taken care of. We've got about half of them left. We're hoping to make a, a nice donation to that school. Um, they're getting, due to the, the training compensation that happens in these transfer deals, they're getting money out of this deal and their president has spoken about how important it is to a club of that size right now. This is a tiny club in the regional leagues in Argentina. And, you know, they, they did a lot to get Marcelino to where he is and then now to Atlanta. So we want to do a little bit to help them and help the, the next Marcelino Moreno's emerge. So uh, you get those scarves, you'll help us make a bigger donation. In the time that Jason was saying that, LAFC took a one to nothing lead on San Jose, and Seattle took a two to nothing lead in its game. Um, how did trivia night go? W- was a lot of money raised for soccer in the streets? It was. Uh, we're doing those on a monthly basis now. Uh, we'll have a rotating cast of, of quiz masters for you guys. Uh, it's important for an organization like Soccer in the Streets. I worked for them for 10 years, and you know a lot of their fundraising is person-to-person events, um, getting out in the community. And as we know, that's kind of difficult to do at the moment. So you know we're trying to find different ways to help them and help them keep moving forward. They're trying to find different ways to help their kids and, and the families because they can't deliver traditional soccer sessions right now either so every little bit helps and if you're looking for a local nonprofit to support we do these trivia contests once a month but there's many other ways that you can give you can go to their website soccerstreets.org and it's a you know a tough time and the good thing about the soccer community is generally everybody's got each other's backs so you know if you're in the soccer community and you're able to if you can help out some different organizations in need right now they really appreciate it please please go to those websites and if you are able to, to contribute anything, uh, whether it's money or time or ideas, uh, please do so. And please follow Jason on Twitter. Please subscribe to SoccerDownHere.net uh, because they do great work, he and John and, and their crew. Uh, please follow Dirty South Soccer. Please follow Siempre United. Uh, Please follow Matt Doyle and, and Tom Bogert and all the guys at MLS Soccer. Please follow, hell, please follow anybody that covers soccer on Twitter. And if you have a, enough money for a cup of coffee, you have enough money to subscribe to a newspaper. Um, so do that and follow the great work being done by Michelle Kaufman and, and, and all, the, all the people around the country, uh, Stephen Goff and Jonathan Tannenwald and Kevin Baxter and, and just everybody. Um, it only costs you a few bucks a month. You'll get fantastic soccer coverage, both domestically and internationally. So please do so. Um, soccer by Ives, those guys, Goal.com, uh, The Athletic, follow them. 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, Atlanta United two to nothing losers at Chicago tonight. Uh, they'll get a few days off, and we'll uh, play at DC United on Saturday at Audi Field. Hopefully, the team is going to be up to a fuller strength than it has been with these days off. I'm sure the training staffs are working hard to get these guys back on the field. But Atlanta United is in 12th right now in the East, and it needs to get a few points if it wants to make the playoffs. Jason, as always, thank you for coming on. And we will talk to you in a few days. Will do. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.